This is the SCT Show. Hughes carries to the hash mark, into the slot, Horvath scores! Just 12 seconds into the man advantage, the captain gets the Canucks on the board. Four fans. I want to win a cup. And I don't know if you guys want to win a cup. I want to win a cup. Bye, fans. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that Jimbo got his ass handed to him this offseason, right? Like, I, I, I could just imagine Aquilini must have just tore him a new asshole. Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana and Nam Man. Welcome back to a, another episode of the SCT Show. You know what? We got to update that uh, intro, boys. That's Jimbo, Jimbo got his ass handed to I mean, maybe he did. I think he got more than his ass handed to him now. I think he got his, uh, hey, just make sure, you know, your ass doesn't hit the door, hit the door on the way out kind of thing. <laughs> we got a new Jimbo in town, though, so we can still use that, I guess, if you think about it. We'll use right? it for maybe for one more season, though. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see, see how, how it goes. Um, a lot of shit's happening. Uh, we a lot have of changes. To for it, right? We've been hiding, just like the Canucks were for a bit. Jimbo was for a bit. Just like Francesco uh, was for a bit. Yeah, just yeah. like Francesco was for a bit. And it happens, I guess, when you when you lose so many games. <laughs> and you just don't want to talk about a team because you don't want to waste your energy on them. And that's how we are as fans. And that's why we don't, we don't do weekly podcasts like certain media... You know, media members do because you know that's their job to talk about the Canucks. We do it as something that we just enjoy to do. For do fun. It. But we are looking for a sponsor. So if anybody wants to sponsor the shows, just let us know. DM the, the Twitter account if, if any of you guys want to sponsor it. But you know, it's been a tough year. But I, I don't know. It, it feels like it's about to turn around. You've got new life. There's new life in the team. There's new life in the podcast. We're here. We're we're recording. The team's on fire right now, and it, it feels like it's a good time to be a Canucks fan. There's hope, right? I mean, it feels like you know there's there's real hope for the first time in some time. I know, you know, the optimists felt hope this entire summer with the moves that were made. Um, but you know, after seeing what they saw for the first two months, now it just kind of feels like finally, you know, they cleaned house and there's that sort of, you know, fresh of, you know, fresh air, uh, and, and there's a little bit of optimism that, okay, you know, someone new, a new group's going to come in and be able to turn this ship around. Um, I think that's exciting, you know, for us fans. Yeah. Um, uh, fuck man. Like. There are so many expectations going into this season, for me specifically. Like, I really thought that this team was not the team that we saw last year. And I didn't think it was the bubble team. Like, the bubble team, let's be honest, like, got outshot every fucking game against, especially against Vegas. You know, they, they held their own against St. Louis and, and did, did pretty well against Minnesota. But, uh, you know, I think the, you could tell that team was, you know, the reason that team was good is because of Elias Pettersson. Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko in the in the bubble like against Vegas, right? And and it was Jacob Markstrom contributed obviously during the season. There was you know bright spots. Brock Besser was pretty good. JT Miller had a good year that year. Bo Horvat was playing well. My boy Jake Bertana was playing well that year. <laughs> that's a strange. And, and no, that, it was that's, that. Those are the facts. Like that that year, that the reason the team had success was because there's some players that stepped up. And but you know, even that though, Tanvir, like I've got a little bit of a beef with people that think that the bubble team was some like, you know, like like amazing like cup contender. No, it was like it was yeah. it was a little bit kind of you know series of events that you know maybe the odds you know kind of fell in our favor for a very short period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 honestly, like even with yourself here, like to your point, you had this hope that you kind of thought, hey, they they would show good like they they did in the bubble it got your hopes up probably unreasonably high because quite frankly the team team's never really been that good like look at the defense right like that was arguably speaking a a significantly better defense than what we've got right now yeah and still it was okay you know it was it was a you know kind of a a playoff team you know this is probably how i would classify the bubble 
and in a micro you know cause like that's kind of the problem isn't it like the bar was so low where we were just like just be a playoff team and we're satisfied and yeah. it really shouldn't be like that right no you're you're right like francesco even said it today that you know the bar was low and it starts from the top you know <laughs> like i think a lot of it had to do with what francesco was telling jim benning you know get into the playoffs you know i don't think they i don't think they had the the aspirations to go out and win a cup and i think that bringing in let me move on to jim rutherford you know getting hired as a new president he's going to do a gm searcher coming up bruce boudreaux's coming and the canucks have won four straight fucking hockey games six of seven uh they look like a different team out there they're definitely playing a different style of hockey and we all mm -hmm. see that um yep. you know there's 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 hope again like you said them and I want to talk to you about Jim Rutherford here for a bit. It's so nice to hear a press conference. And it doesn't, like, you know, Jim Benning might be a nice guy, and he probably is. And, and I wish him nothing but the best going forward. But it's so nice to hear a plan uh, from a GM. And it's so nice to not hear, you know, a hundred times a press conference, you know? <laughs> he wasn't a Jim, Jim's communication skills, unfortunately, that wasn't a strength, right? Like, you know, Jim's one of those kind of guys, you know, kind of a, a farm boy, you know, like, like they're you know very low key. They're not the type that you know sit in front of you know a, a press conference and he can really you know sort of talk the talk kind of thing. Counted for that. Yeah, like like, and I wish Jim the best too. I've I've, I've actually I've met Jim before. And he is a very very nice guy. It just mm -hmm. unfortunately you know he was uh, he bit off more than he could chew, and um, you know I'm, I'm sure he will find a place back in the NHL. You know how the NHL, you know, loves to recycle their, you know, their guys. He'll find his, he'll find his footing back, but hopefully it's, it's in, you know, kind of more of a behind the scenes type of role. He's got certain strengths. General manager, I don't think is it. And it would be like, at the very least, if he's ever going to be a general manager, and I'm saying this, you know, out of, you know, the goodness of SCT's heart here. If he's ever going to be a general manager, hopefully he surrounds himself with some really, really smart people, not John Weisbrod, right? Like, like I'm sorry, you know, maybe John, you know, does something good, but he definitely needs intelligent people to kind of, you know, help guide him in, in his decision making. And I think that was one of the things that I noticed out of the press conference today. If we yeah. jump into, you know, Jim's Rutherford here. Um, you know, here's a guy who, you know, really likes to surround himself with all kinds of different people. And I actually appreciate that. Uh, it's challenging. Definitely. It's easier said than done to say, I want an analytic analytics guy and I want an eye test guy and I want you guys to debate and whoever wins the debate, that's the decision we make. And because even that you got to be careful, it can be bad process because it, it shouldn't be about winning the debate. It should be about, you know, what's the right decision, right? What's the, what, what, what at the end of the day makes the most amount of sense. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, and, and this is why with this new hire, like I'll get right to my thoughts real here, real quick. I'm, 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 you know, obviously, you know, I've been someone that's been wanting a change for quite some time and I've just sort of accepted it for you know a while that things weren't going to change yet. Now they finally have, they went and hired Jim and I'm conditionally okay with this. And the reason why I say this is because I really need to see what's next in terms of the rest of the management team, who's going to be the GM. Who's going to be the AGMs? You know, it's 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 really a team here because I think that's going to really be telling about the direction. If it's going to be more dinosaurs, then it's just the same old, same old, right? Like if they're looking for this so-called, you know, quick fix that, you know, will trade, you know, hopefully he said he's not going to trade more first round off picks, but if, he, if they go and they start doing those type of shortcut moves, you know, even like the Jack Johnson and the Eric Goodbranson question, you know, you kind of double down a bit on the fact that, oh, I don't really you know, regret, you know, trading or signing those guys, which I can understand you don't want to throw them under the bus and all that. But if we're going to see more of those type of moves with this new management group, then it's the same old, same old. But if we're going to see, you know, a, a group that's truly going to be, you know, very well thought of, planned very well, very organized, very structured, you know, really trying to look for that sort of cutting edge, um, be ahead of the game, you know, not following it, not behind it. If we find that type of a group, you know, in terms of our GM and agent, then, and I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, from what I heard from Jim Rutherford today, that, you know, that is what we could potentially get. If we get that, 
this is great. This is fantastic. This is what we need. Uh, I definitely believe with some tough moves, tough but needed moves, we could turn things around. Absolutely, we can be a cup contender. I also agree with with what Jim Rutherford said. This might be a two, three-year thing. Like, it's not necessarily going to be overnight. And there's probably going to be some tough decisions that need to happen. Like, trading a Miller and a Besser, for example, uh, are going to be frowned upon. Um, but it's pretty obvious that there's other positional needs that are very, very important. Easier said than done. Again, right? Wingers are always going to be, you know, not as valuable as defensemen. But um, if they're able to go out there, I mean, it's funny. You only need six, you know, D, right? And quite frankly, you know, really, you only need like four, right? Th even three, you could probably get away with, you know, three good ones, right? And they obviously got one at least in Quinn, and OEL's oh, been pretty God. decent to pretty pretty decent to start the season for sure, right? So potentially they got two. So you really are looking at, okay, can we figure out two more defensemen and suddenly out of nowhere, things could be rosy and turned on really quick. And that's what I mean by where I do believe yeah. they can turn this around quick. Uh, however, you got to make those right decisions. And this is one, probably the one thing that I loved the most about what Jim Rutherford said is two bad moves and two good moves can literally be that difference between, you know, kind of a, a contender, a cup contender and a lottery contender, you know, like, right. That's seriously with the parody. That's really what it is. And, um, you know, I like what Jim Rutherford said about how he's going to take everything into account. He's going to listen to as many people as he, like, in his, around his, uh, you know, in his, around his management team. And he's going to make decisions based off, uh, you know, like what you said about, you know, having these, con these tough conversations, these conversations that are needed, not, you know, having two people just, you know, make the decisions. You know, it's going to be a bunch of people. And he also said the Sedins and Stan Smith are going to play a big part in what this, you know, he's going to listen to those guys a lot. He's going to, you know, have a, you know, have them uh, as a sounding board as well uh, in the organization. So, like, those are some positives. But like you said, actions speak louder than words. Um, you could say all the right things, but if you're not doing the right things, the fans and the media will call you out. And it, that's, it's tough, man. that's for certain here in, in Vancouver. Uh, yeah. It's not just the fans that want a winning team here. The media wants a winning team here. They don't want to cover that team anymore. And I, you could just tell uh, during during this run uh, early in the season, it was getting exhausting for guys like Satyar Shaw doing the post-game show. Uh, you know, even us. Like, yeah, honestly, us. Even yeah. we didn't want to record. You know? Yeah, like, I mean, it, it, it's... Groups. Like, you know, yeah. WhatsApp. Our, it's true. Our WhatsApp groups even, you know? Like, we make fun I of mean... We make fun of this and all that stuff, yeah. but like even they were completely dead silent. Like yeah, they were Ryan, just. Ryan had a great tweet uh, yesterday. You, you could explain it, Ryan, about how like it's nice to finally have a team that you could cheer for now that the changes have been, have been made. Yeah, it's just, it's nice to go into a game knowing that it's not already over, right? Yeah. Knowing that you haven't already lost before like the ten minute mark of the first period. Right for how many times the Canucks would always give up the first goal? They haven't really been doing that, you know, these last few games here under Bruce Boudreaux. It's just nice. It's just so refreshing to finally be like, hey, we have a chance of winning every single game. Other than we're probably going to lose, it's just by how many, right? Yeah, and you mm -hmm. know, with Jim and Bruce, I've noticed that Bruce is also similar to Jim, as in he likes to listen to a lot of different voices. He's not afraid to try different things and not be stubborn on a certain situation or a certain decision. I noticed that was green. And, you know, again, I wish him the best as well. You know, he had his moments here as a coach and there was times where I actually thought he was a good coach and still think he might be a good coach. But, you know, I, I, I do think he was part of the problem here in Vancouver. <clears throat> um, and that's showing right now with Bruce Boudreaux and the way this team's playing. Um, I just feel like, he was very stubborn with certain situations, like certain decisions. Like he wouldn't, we wasn't going to play a star players on the penalty kill and watching Quinn Hughes kill the way he's been killing penalties, like play the way he's been killing penalties has been unbelievable. This guy is going to be like, he, I think he's going to be the best player in franchise history. I, I was like, I have seats behind the net uh, on the Canucks where they defend twice for season tickets and watching Quinn Hughes play is one of the, it's it's an it's an art. It's one of the best. He's the one of the best players that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like he skates so well, um, and he's evolving as a defense as a defenseman, 
playing in the defensive zone. Uh, last year, I actually, I actually had questions about his defensive game. I was actually worried that he would not be able to play that side of the uh, uh, side of the game. And it, I thought he was only an offensive defenseman. But he is proving me and a lot of people wrong around the league that this guy could play in the defensive zone. And he has been unbelievable. Last night might have been one of his greatest defensive efforts ever in a Canucks uniform. And he did some amazing things with the puck. The way he moved the puck out. This team is missing Oliver ekman Larson and Travis Hamnick on the back. And on the back end, that's already so bad. Weak. Overall depth is already it's not great. And they're over. They've only allowed five goals in was it six or six games or five or four games? It's five goals in four games. They've only allowed in uh, in, the, in this recent stretch here. Unbelievable. And Quinn Hughes has a big part to do with it. And I know we don't like to give this guy a lot of credit, but Tyler Myers has played a heck of a has played great hockey as well. So and uh, Demko, them. Demko, probably the most important reason that well, they've done what Demko's they've done. Great, but you have to admit the team has allowed less high danger scoring chances. You got to look at that as well. He's been great, but they've allowed. If I guarantee the analytics behind it are true, that they've allowed less scoring high they danger have scoring chances because it's just under Bruce. They, they have, have been defending better. And yeah. yeah, Demko, you need Demko to be great. You know, you, you need that, you know, especially with this decor. But they've allowed less high danger scoring chances than they were allowing under Green, in my opinion. And for sure, no doubt about that. Why they've been playing well. No doubt about that. And, and you know, going back to, to, you know, like Jim Benning here and then all this, you know, winning that we've been doing, you know, since, you know, they've kind of cleaned house here. Like, I think it just kind of got to the point where people just, uh, finally, majority of people, it seems that at least I would say majority, just stopped having belief and faith in Jim Benning's so-called vision, if there really was one. And 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 uh, you know, like so, you would often see the team go on these type of winning streaks, and you know, there was sort of an inner conflict because you didn't want bad process to necessarily be rewarded because it enabled more bad process. And now you finally have them winning and it's sort of like, okay, hey, this is not going to necessarily enable more bad process. And, and of course they're playing better as well. You know, one thing that I also found really interesting from the, you know, Rutherford, you know, press conference uh, uh, today was him talking about, you know, the stage of where the team's at, you know, in their cycle, we shouldn't be trading away first round draft picks. What did Jim just do? He just traded away two back-to-back first-round draft picks to save his job. Yeah, you know, quite frankly, like, and he's and Rutherford's bang on correct. We should not have been trading first-round draft picks, even exactly. though I acknowledge the fact that we got Miller and I acknowledge the fact that we got Garland and OEL, yeah, good players. What are those guys getting you back on the on the market though? Like JT Miller, if you like, if if we should trade JT Miller, and I think that. You know, it's a tough pill to swallow for any coach and GM to trade a player like that because, man, he does so much on the ice. But the age curve does not go with the curtain. Uh, He's going to be 30. He's going to be 30 at the end of next year. Exactly. So if we are trading him, we're getting more than a first-round pick for that guy right now. And You'd hope so, yeah. 100% you are. He's that good of a player right now. You're 100% getting more than a first-round pick. And, you know, those those trades at the time weren't great. But, you know, I'll take more – I'll take value back. Like, even though – Jimbo traded first round. First, he got value. He, he got didn't value it away. back, which Agreed. is important because it could have easily been another Eric Agreed. or something. Agreed. Like the Ulevi, you know, sort of deterioration of that asset hurts a lot more yeah. than, you know, sort of the JT Miller, you know, trade and then hurts more than even like Garland, you know, OEL, you know, first round draft pick. Completely agree. Uh, I wish they also didn't, you know, go on and, and trade a bunch of the other picks, like the seconds and thirds and whatnot, because yeah. oftentimes those can be helpful. And and really, quite frankly, even though we've got a lot of young players uh, on the roster, which is fantastic, our prospect base is pretty shit. I would say, honestly, it's probably bottom five in the NHL. So that unfortunately sucks. And we also don't have a second round draft pick this year again, team. which sucks. I w- we do have a young team. Yeah. Again, th- this is all to say that all things considered, I still firmly believe with some tough but intelligent decisions that, you know, we kind of, you know, work out work out for us, yeah. this team can turn it around. And I, I do think a guy like a JT Miller, unfortunately, um, he's a fantastic, you know, player. And, and by no means am I saying, you know, piss him away for, you know, sort of the, the next gutty here or, or anything like that. But, like, if you got an opportunity to trade him for a top four defenseman 
you know, I, I absolutely think you need to consider that. I absolutely think that's a trade that you got to think really long and hard about. If you can find a partner, a long-term partner for Quinn, mm-hmm. you got to make that move. I got to, no got another thing that Jim Rutherford said that really was really, I, you know, it was, you, know, you, you just knew what he was thinking when he was saying it, I felt like, was he likes his teams to play with a lot of speed. Fast. And yeah. and I, I the only player that came to my mind when when he said that was Brock Besser. And yeah. yeah, he's been playing really well uh, under Bruce Boudreau, and that's great to see because, like, <laughs> under Green, he, he didn't even care. It looked like he didn't give a fuck. Like, he just – it was almost like – like, I don't want to call the guy out here and make assumptions, but it felt like he was playing to get him fired. And uh, he looks like a completely different player now. And yeah. when you said something like that, it made me think, like, I think they might trade a guy like Brock Besser. And that's a, guy, that's a guy that could get you a good uh, defenseman in return, too. Um, Absolutely. Besser, that's another Miller. That's another, I probably would say Horvat, you would lean towards wanting to re-sign, right? I think he would be a very tough trade, especially because... Quite frankly, they don't have another center. I mean, they, they need they need another center, let alone trade another center. But for Wait, sure, playing well at, at center right now, and that, that's mm. like I, I'm afraid that the team might pick JT over Bo, and that would be yeah. a tough pill to swallow for me, like as a Bo yeah. fan and yeah. probably a lot of fans. But I could totally see it happening, and that's Maybe. just because of the way Bruce Boudreaux talked about JT. And the way uh, Jim, uh, I don't know if Jim Rutherford talked about him, but the way Bruce Boudreaux talked about JT, and he plays him in so many different situations, and both been playing penalty kill now too. But both, it's tough, though. Right? Yeah. Kind of like in terms of finding that defenseman, you know, like like even though we're talking about like even a Bo Horvat trade, like what yeah. defenseman would you really trade for Bo Horvat that would actually even potentially be on the market? If it's a really good defenseman, the team's probably not trading him. You'll notice, like. If you look around the league, all the teams that have taken that next step, right? I'm talking like, you know, a team like a Florida, a team like a Carolina, you know, like anybody that's taken a next step, it's often because they were able to kind of find a little bit of that hidden gem to kind of play in that top four. You know, like you think of, you know, Mackenzie Weger out in Florida, right? Like there was a guy, very, you know, relatively unknown. And over the last couple of years, he's really come to the scene, right? And it, you got to find those kind of guys because you're, you're probably not going to be able to trade for like an Ekblad. You know what I mean? I mean, like, we may have one, one of those guys already too. Uh, Jack Rathbone. I think he could still be that guy. Um, he I hope so. promised earlier on this season and he started to not play as well. And Green just, you know, I guess the organization just felt like it was probably better to develop him in the AHL a little bit longer yeah. and not let him be around a situation like this. Right. And I, think it's right. I hope the OEL. I hope the OEL trade hasn't kind of you know blocked Rathbone though. You know what I mean? Like uh, how? That's my one concern. Again, le- left side D. Now you got Hughes. You got OEL. Like OEL on the left side. Yeah, and then you have Rathbone. Maybe you know. Like I'm just again. I'm just sort of hoping that they still have him in their plans. They're just the, what the reason why I say this is because they're all left-handed and they're all yeah. offensively inclined. But I right? think they're trying to develop Rathbone's game in the uh, in the American Hockey League on the defensive side of the puck. Like I really believe that's what, that's what they're trying to do as an organization, and uh, I think that's necessary because you do. I think Quinn Hughes now that he's capable of killing. Because holy crap, this guy could kill penalties now. Like I always knew he could because his skating was so good, and he could get to pucks first, and he wouldn't like allowing other teams to enter the zone would be hard against a guy as good as a skater as Quinn Hughes. Um, like, that's a big, big, big – because one of the things that yep. uh, a lot of people will talk about was that they never had a matchy a match matchup left-side guy on the PK. And now that you have Ekman Larson and Quinn Hughes who are capable of doing that, that's a big – you know, that's big. And I think that if Rathbone could eventually develop his game into a defensive, play better in the D zone, I think that's a good left side to have in the future. No, I think no. that side needs a lot of work. No doubt about it. And, and again, all of this work is so much easier said than done because the hardest position to acquire, I'll even say, you know, even, even arguably speaking, perhaps arguably speaking above, you know, a top line center, I would say it is, it's those defensemen, especially on the right side, man. Like it's just every single team wants to develop them. Every team wants them. And they're just, they're so hard to find. 
Um, that's why I give a lot of kudos out to teams, you know, like a team like even like Toronto, who, you know, had a, a Morgan Riley in the system, but then they went out there and they were able to trade for, you know, a couple other guys to, you know, kind of play in their top four. And again, it's so it goes to show, like, it's possible, you know, you uh, definitely uh, can. Jake Muzzin, right? Yeah. Was well, another one. Um, you know, it's funny that like, you talk about it's so hard to find right shot defensemen. And we're trying to get rid of ours. We're trying to get rid of Tyler Myers because he's making six million dollars, right? Like, like, and like, if you think about it, like, if we do trade Tyler Myers, who obviously is making too much money, like, who are we replacing him with? And that's one of the biggest, sure. one of the problems that Jim Rutherford is going to have to figure out. Because let's be honest, he does like the last few games that he's played really well, and I still think that there is a like we may not like his contract, but I think a contender might be willing to take his contract on. Um, if they have like a, some kind of LTI situation, like the Chicago Blackhawks used to pull off. For sure. Like, you know? I think yeah. I think that there's value in Tyler Myers, but like if we're getting rid of our guy, who are we replacing him with? And that's one of those questions that Jim Rutherford is going to have to answer going forward as the next president. And I know he's trying to find a GM right now, but an interim GM. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how are they going to, like, we, we've been trying to get rid of Myers for, sure. for a while. And how are we going to replace him? No, I completely agree, and I think it's one of those things where uh, Tyler Myers is is and all like like he is overpaid. He's definitely overpaid for you know what he brings to the table. He's ideally a guy who's probably like a number five and paid like a number five. So he's clearly a NHL defenseman. This is not you know like I'm not. I don't think anybody should be really debating that. Um, however, the problem you get into is when you become that team that becomes so desperate to fill a need that you end up overpaying for a guy like that. And then you also now have really no, like you're not, you're not looking elsewhere to fill that position anymore because you've already made your bed. And and it's, and it's not a bed that you're going to necessarily, you're not going to contend with that bed. Like, because sure. it, it's always going to be an asset that's not going to give you the value that you are putting into that allocation, you know, from a cap perspective. So it's sort of one of those things where you need to do it, but at the same time, you know, like you're going to suffer by doing it as well. And so maybe, maybe it's one of those things where you got to, at that point, continue to be patient and find, find that trade, find, you know, somewhere else. I mean, you look at Winnipeg, right? Like, you know, they had an opportunity to, you know, keep Myers, they let him go. Cause you know, you got to make a decision and you got to make that sort of choice of, look, I I'm going to believe that something else is going to come up at somewhere along the line. I will give you a name though, right? And and this is a name that's going to come from Rutherford's old territory, Marino? Pittsburgh, Marino, our our, our Joe's cousin, <laughs> Marino. Absolutely, like I, I'm sure Joe would love for that. Um, I know he would. You know he had a, he had a fantastic rookie season, and last year it wasn't that great. I feel like he's so far this year. I think he's been kind of okay so far this year. I haven't really heard anything. They're trying to get rid of the Pedersen guy. Pet yeah, they've got other guys for sure that they would way rather dump. But if you if there was ever an ever a way Myers to be him. able, I'm, I don't think Pittsburgh does that. I think you would like that's the type of move. Like I'll throw it out there, right? But that's the kind of move where you might need to do like a bigger package deal. Where it's something, and I'm I'm, just, I'm totally spitballing out here, like where you got something kind of like you know, like a a, a Besser maybe included in that Besser and a Myers, you know, maybe oh, wow. maybe it's something That's like a, a, a Miller and a Myers, you oh, know, type wow. of, and, it, and it's a bigger package than just Marino. Hey, well, what are we getting right? back, Vulcan? <laughs> no, no, it's a bigger package than just Marino. But what I'm trying to get at is like. You know, you would need to make the pieces work somehow. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not even necessarily saying that's the path you would want to go. But like, if you're looking at, you know, if Pittsburgh's a team, because Rutherford, Marino was Rutherford's guy. If yeah. Pittsburgh's a team that's sort of like, you know what, we're, we're open to moving him. And uh, I, I think you got to be in on that because I do think Marino could definitely be the type of partner for Hughes that could do well. You know, like it's a, it's a right-sided guy. And if, if anything else, and, you know, he could also potentially be, you know, uh, an OEL partner. He could, yeah. And I believe him and Jack Rathbone were actually were partners at Harvard. They were. You know, so, yeah. so, like, that's the type of move that you're not going to get, you know, like we're not talking about going out there and trading for, 
um, you know, like, uh, you know, Charlie McAvoy, you know, like you ain't going to get a Charlie McAvoy. Okay. Like sit your ass down, you know, like, like that ain't happening. Uh, but these are the type of tough moves that bring that, um, top four defenseman that you would have to really, really swallow hard on. Mm-hmm. I, and quite frankly, like, you know, I, I believe, and I'll throw it out there. I believe that if there was an opportunity to make a Miller Myers for Marino and something type of trade, I would absolutely 110% look into that. And I would absolutely 110% consider it for consider it long and hard. And I'll say this why, because I believe Marino would be an upgrade on Myers. And I believe you can find another winger mm-hmm. somewhere out there. I believe you can make that work. We've, we've, you know, we've also got Garland and we've got Besser. You know, we can figure this out. There's Park Colson, there's Hoglander. There's like, the issue is that we're playing Miller at center right now. And yeah, I, I get it. And so center. you would need that, right? I understand that you would need that 3C, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and, and I get that. And, and maybe, maybe there's, you know, a, sort of a, a 3C type of player that you can maybe get back from Pittsburgh, you know? Again, I'm, I'm throwing, totally thrown out there just as an idea of, of a framework of the type yeah. of tough move that ain't going to look like we won this trade, but you're going to be talking about it in a way of, okay, we've improved our defense. We've, we've got holes up front. Yeah. Let's go figure that out. I would way rather have a 3C hole or a, you know, a winger hole than a top four D hole. Yeah, I agree. Right. Well, the defense is, you know, it's going to be one of the things that Jim Rutherford's going to have to figure out. But, uh, you know, I, I think... Think about also the cap reallocation that you do in a trade like that, right? A lot like of you're, decisions. You're moving, a, you're moving out a lot of cap space, yeah. which, again, provides you with some flexibility to, you know, maybe add a, add a, add a guy as well, right? So... There's, yeah, there's a lot of tough decisions for... Tough, the, tough calls. Tough decisions yeah. that this team needs to make. And a lot of the things that he said today was he's going to wait. He's going to wait to see what how this team is by January 31st. Because he's saying that this team might be better than we all think they are. Or they might be even, or might they might just be worse. Like he doesn't, like he still needs time to make these decisions. And that's a quote that sort of worries me. Because we've seen what happened with Jimbo. He got a little wet there in 2014. <laughs> or the, uh, 2015, when, the first year he took over. They go on this run, and uh, he gets wet and uh, starts to build a contender. Try, tries to go for, starts to make bigger moves to, you know, for this team to, you know, get, like, he actually thought this team was he better. He thought this team was better, yeah. But you have to understand, Tamber, Jim Rutherford still needs to hire a team here too, right? Like, I, in fact, to be very honest with you, I would way rather prefer there are no major moves. There's only little minor, you know, minor league type of swaps, if, if, if at all, you know, until the team is in place and for the management team is in place. You need those people there to make those, you know, big boy trades. If you're making, all, you know, sort of franchise-altering decisions, you want the guy that is going to be leading your franchise. And, and, and you know, one name out there that I'm – intrigued to kind of you know see uh and and our you know one of our favorites one of your favorites for sure tanbir ricky dollywall tweeted this out there as, as hey you know his he's heard his name's out there chris mcfarland he is the assistant general manager of the colorado avalanche and uh, from everything that i've heard about him and read up about this about him it he seems like he's you know definitely among that sort of wave of next you know, AGMs, that's going to get a gig. And uh, he kind of a bit, you know, from me, like what I read, he reminded me a little bit of Julian Breezebraw out of Tampa. You know, a very smart guy, you know, very, you know, well, good planner and all that. And and so I'd be interested to see, like, is he going to be the type of guy they might come, go knocking on? I know. Sorry, I didn't get who are you talking about? Chris McFarland. Oh, the Chris Colorado, Colorado. Colorado, yeah, yeah. Colorado guy, right? So that would be a name that I'd be very interested in. I know your, your your buddy Taj there. He's quite high on Jason Botterall, who's yeah. with the Kraken right now. Uh, one other thing that was also mentioned is it's entirely possible that they don't hire an, a GM in season because you know other teams may not necessarily allow for you know that sort yeah. of interview process, right? So you might not get the, your guy. 
this is a very important hire. Like, I think bringing in, you know, Rutherford as president makes a lot of sense because, quite frankly, Frankie needs to chill out. I think Frankie's been, you know, Frankie, you had your chance to play, you know, play general manager. Now, you know, sit your ass down and, and go be the owner and, and, and you know, go on your, your, your private jets and, and enjoy the team, you know, from an owner's perspective. So I'm, I'm hoping that Rutherford can kind of cool, the, you know, Frankie's yeah. jets a bit here, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, and so from that perspective, I'm very glad that we have a president and, and a, a respected president, you know, a president that's been around the block for a while. You want to add something to that, Ryan? I just want to say, how patient would you be with the next regime? Again, it depends, right? Like, what type of moves are you making? I mean, real quick, like, if they're going to bring, like, a Mark Hunter type of guy, like an old-school dinosaur, who's basically Jim Benning 2.0, if they're going to bring Peter Shirelli in, like, you know what I mean? There's there's certain guys that if you go and you tap on their shoulder and you're just like, okay, these are dinosaur guys, and as soon as they start making dinosaur moves, then you're going to, you know, you you know what to I expect. Want, and then it's, I, it's, it's, you know. I want right? Lawrence Gilman. Lawrence Gilman. I love Mike Gillis. I absolutely love that. He has no ties. Like, yeah, he has ties to Mike Gillis, but he's his own man. And It's not going to be Mike Gillis, by the way. It, it, it won't be Mike Gillis. It won't be Mike Gillis. But no, Lawrence no Gilman, I think, could make a good tandem yep. with Jim Rutherford. And I really believe that he's someone that really wants to win here, like, in this city. Like, he... He Absolutely, he's, he still lives here. Unfinished business. He cares about the organization, um, just like the Sedins do. Stan Smeal does, and uh, you know, like the people that are that are in the organization for a while. Like he's one mm. of those guys that cares about it, and I think that a guy like Stan Smeal should push for Lawrence Gilman. I think a guy like the Sedins should push for uh Lawrence Gilman because I really believe that he needs a he he deserves a GM job in the league, not an AGM job, but he's been he's done the AGM shit. Yeah. I, oh, think, wow. I think he's one of the guys that's well deserved for a GM job. Jason Porter in Buffalo. Um, Jason Nelson, yeah. Yeah, so I think a guy like yeah. Gilman would be would be perfect for the job. And Jim, I'd be done with that. He said I it doesn't have to be someone that I've worked yep. with in the past he's open to working with new people. So Yep. Um, that sort of but if you actually, you know, read between the lines, it really seems like they're they're very keen on wanting to kind of mentor someone. So that makes sense, you know, like an entry level GM makes yeah. a lot of sense, um, you know. And, and again, like I know yeah, this yeah. problem, this wouldn't. Uh, you know what? To be honest, I haven't seen yeah, I haven't seen anything. He's been around the organization. Yeah. I, I just I feel like we got to go external with this hire, um, but. You know, a couple of the other names that, like, I don't think are going to necessarily be in contention, but Eric Tulski has done fantastic work in Carolina. Don't think there's any chance that he's leaving, though. Uh, I would even very, very much be open. Like, I don't know why it has to necessarily be a guy. You know, it, it, it could be, a, you know, one of the, you know, amazing females that are in, in, in you know, hockey circles. I'd be totally, you're, you're smiling. Why are you smiling there, Tom? Hey. <laughs> It doesn't matter if it's a... No, if she knows a lot about hockey... At the end of the day, we we want the best person for the job. Does it really matter if the person has a vagina or a penis? No, it does not. I agree. I agree. We want the best person. So like Haley Haley Wickenizer, for example, is a name that's, you know, kind of, again, with the Toronto organization. You know, from all accounts, she's, you know, quite brilliant, right? I mean, quite like... if If she's the best contender for the job if she's you know the smartest you know got the best planner can can you know make the deal make you know can surround ourselves with you know you know good sort of you know assistant general managers and whatnot then fantastic right like i mean set the stage as as sort of the visionary uh it's gonna happen at some point for sure there's gonna be a female gm and would be i think it'd be a great idea i actually do think because he did say he wants to bring in a diverse uh you know circle of hockey people, and I think that hey, know, if we hire uh, Gilman, yeah, I, I'll tell you right now, if we hire Gilman, I would not be surprised one bit if Haley Wickenheiser is an assistant GM here with the Canucks. Yeah, I, that, and I and I think she's a great hockey mind. I really believe that. Yeah. I think that she's, you know, uh, Ray Ferraro's wife is working in Seattle there. Yep. Um, yep. I think that. Yeah, I think. I think. You know, I think having a diverse group would be, I think it'd be a smart idea as an organization because it's it's about culture. You know, and I think if you set the right, like, I think 
setting the right culture in today's world is, I think, is necessary just so everybody in the organization feels comfortable with what they do in the organization, right? Um, yeah. You need you need that, smart people, man. You need smart people that can make some yeah. good decisions, forward thinking, right? Yeah. I agree, and I think that, and I think that you know the team on the ice. I want to focus on this a little bit here, Nam. I think we've focused enough on the offside, off ice stuff. The on ice stuff uh, tends to get me more excited than the off ice stuff. Believe it or not, <laughs> it does. When they win games, I, I'm way more happier than when they hire a new president or when they <laughs> hire Jim Benning. Um, if they hire the right guy. We'll yeah. be winning a lot more games, and your your panties are going to be wet, sure, you know, sure. for for the next ten years. Sure. Right? That's, that should be the goal. Stuff still excites me more. Like when they're winning games, it excites me. And they yes. are six, and they've won six of seven. Seven. Yeah. Um, they've won four in a row. Um, they're twelve, fifteen, and two. And the last episode we recorded on the show, uh, we were talking about is the season over, right? I don't know if they made the playoffs because, man, they dug themselves a big, big hole. But it feels like things are starting starting to change uh, with the way they're playing, the way they're starting to believe as a group, and it's way more fun to watch. Do you think they turn it around now? I don't think they're out. And, but, 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 I'm, and I'm sorry because I know you're going to get so excited, you know, like it's really yeah. tough for you to be in the middle. You know, they need... They need this run to, they need like a miracle run somewhere, you know? They need some sort of a miracle, like like they've won four in a row, right? Somewhere yeah. along the line, they're going to need uh, like a seven, eight game winning streak. And then the hardest part, the hardest part is going to be they can't fall off the cliff. You know what I mean? Like they can't go in any stretches where you lose then four in a row and you've lost sort of so much of this ground that you've made up here. Is it possible? It is absolutely possible. They get, they, they make it back into the, you know, the, the race here. It's, it's a, a long season. It's tough though. Bruce has done this before, right? I mean, his first year with Washington, he turned it around. It doesn't happen often. It, it honestly really doesn't happen that often, but you know, like it's it is possible. Teams do go on crazy, like 10, 11 game winning streaks that you know are quite miraculous. Uh, is the season over? You know, I would say at this point right now, no. But like you know, there's very low probability of us, you know, kind of getting back into this. Um, I think you. I think at this point, we we really just gotta, you know, keep. Keep going with going with what we got here, and, and, and you know, see if they're able to string a few more wings. Um, again, this four needs to become at least a ten, I think. You know, before we can really kind of be like, here we go. And, and even then, if the four becomes a ten, think about it this way: you know, all we've really done is now just kind of gone to three games above five hundred, right? So, <laughs> all we've done at that point is just basically kind of brought ourselves back into the picture yeah um it's tough especially when you think about the fact that okay what well, they've got i think like 53 games left and they need to go something like 33 and 20 to get to like just like 92 points mm -hmm. right like yeah. it's not impossible by any means but 90 the, the playoff bar right now is 98 points like that's, uh, it's not going to continue maybe on the higher end yeah that's yeah, maybe on the higher end continue, but yeah that's a tough Tough bar, yeah. um, and just the team. You know, it's nice to see them. You know, be ha like be happy. The players be happy because, my God, they did look miserable half the they, time. It was uh, it was bad. It was we bad. You, we were both at that Pittsburgh game. You know, when everything yeah. basically went to shit. Yeah. And I kid you not, that's the first game I've ever attended where I've never experienced that before, man. Yeah. It was it was just like it was miserable. The crowd was miserable. Um, it was just such a messed up atmosphere, yeah. And uh, and it was much needed, you know. Like like this was desperately needed. This change was desperately needed. Um, I will have to ask you, you know, this, this is kind of becoming a little bit of an interesting little debate as well in in Connect Nation. Like, what do you think was more needed? Like, do you think? It was more about firing Green, or do you think it was more about firing Benning? Or are you going to be? Uh, I'll give you a third option. There being both, uh, which one do you really think 
was more necessary. Um, in the moment, I thought firing Benning was the the right move. I think that the, the fans were chanting "fire Benning" for a reason. They were. Uh, they weren't chanting "fire Green." I thought. I think I thought what they were gonna do was fire Benning, and then let Green ride the season out and make uh, let the new president and GM make the call on Come him uh, when when uh, at the end of the season, and they did they did both, and I think that was the right decision because look at how much better the players are playing, and that's a result of you know, a change in the dressing room. Um, I really believe that. I think new philosophy on the ice, aggressive style, penalty killing, using like eight forwards to penalty kill, giving Quinn Hughes an opportunity, giving Elias Pettersson an opportunity. Uh, you know, the neutral, zone, the neutral zone game is so much cleaner than it was with Travis Green. And that has a lot to do with the way they've been forechecking and the third man high, everything like that. So, um, you know, I, I think that Looking back at it, I thought Benning was the right decision because um, he he was he was the one who created this mess. Um, but uh, I think you know I think that they made the right decision by firing both because we're actually seeing. I couldn't go the whole season watching that hockey. You know what I mean? No, for sure. So I think I think Ryan, you agree, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I don't think we could have gone much longer with watching yeah. that to hockey. If the Canucks make the playoffs, like I think. Who we have to thank is the guy who threw the jersey. Oh my god! That's what started it all. I don't know what that jersey thing. You know, I was like joking about it, like I'm gonna throw my jersey. I got my Cassian jersey ready and everything. But when you go to the game, you're just like, I don't know if I want to do that because you want to get banned from Rogers Arena. Like, like I I personally, like you know, I've been hyping it, but I'm I'm glad it wasn't me that threw that jersey because (laughs) um, who knows, like. I don't think the guy throwing the jersey was the guy that that was the ultimate decision of. I think eventually they were both going to be gone anyways. Yeah, I think, I think eventually, part. but I think when that happened, they kind of sped things up maybe a little bit. What do you think the fire? It's pretty Benning obvious chance, that I think the fire bending chance. Thank you. And if you just Frank. had that the whole game and no jersey tossed on the ice, yeah. I still think they would have been fired. Yeah, yeah. I really For sure. It. No, I think Frankie yeah. kind of made up made up his mind. Like it got to the point yeah. where it was just getting ugly. And I will say this though too. Like I I believe the off ice issues with the players and management, it was pretty clear things were divided ever since you go back to kind of, you know, whatever happened with the COVID outbreak. Like I I just I can't help but think that even the players were you know, like you kind of just you want to change in your in, in management, not just coaching, but in also management. So, you know, I do believe Jim absolutely had to go. I think he acknowledged and even realized, okay, he had to go. And quite quite frankly, I think Jim had should have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, good God, Frankie, for, good yeah. God, like Frankie, didn't exactly. you have enough of playing? You know, GM, that you know, give it up. You know, but yeah, no. um, was, uh... he should have he should have been gone a long time ago. There's I, no doubt about that. We were we, we we made jokes about it on this podcast for years. Just to we were like, how is this guy still here? Like, it just didn't make any sense. But honestly, didn't make any sense. It didn't. But you know, I think Don Ice stuff is exciting right now. I really like if it they is. make the playoffs. Like, like right now, like I'm not. I don't think they make it. But you know, I look at, if you look at their schedule, especially in December. If there's a time to turn it around, it is now. Because you look at this, the, the team that they're playing coming up here, they got Columbus, winnable game, right? You have We have uh, uh, San Jose. They go to San Jose for one game, right? And that's a winnable game. They come back, they play the Leafs. That'll be a tough one. But Saturday night, they, they'll be up for that game. Everybody in the city will be up for that game. They can win that game. And then they play Arizona and a bunch of California teams after that. So Cambria, the hard part is January, though. Right? January, I know, yeah. I know you're gonna you're gonna get so happens here in December, and it's it's actually gonna be phenomenal. Like, from an entertainment perspective, I, I, the, I, I think the on ice stuff is good, but like seeing you know you get all excited is even better. Okay, <laughs> so it's gonna be phenomenal this entire month, and hopefully they're able to you know string string some more wins together here. I'm not surviving I'm not January yet. is gonna be tough. I'm not there yet with. Them saying that they're gonna make the playoffs, but if they could turn it around in December, like I like I think they can, 
then I will have a lot more hope. But see that, but that's why it. I say, that's why I say, Tamir, the, the hardest part for them, the thing that they really need to avoid, is any sort of prolonged losing streak. Yeah, yeah. Right, like technically speaking, if this team goes two and one for the rest of the season, like two wins, one loss, two wins, one loss, yeah. like you add it up, they're gonna be in playoff contention. But yeah. the hardest part is doing exactly that, yeah. right? Like it's easier said than done not to end up having one loss become two, become three. How they are able to avoid that is gonna be massive. Again, it's entirely possible. You know, it's not, you know, like they've got zero shot. Um, the defense again is, is shit, but you know, can they figure it out enough and, and hold it together? Where you know they can kind of string some wins and then maybe Demko you know plays you know Vesna you know lights out sure. Um, Patterson has uh, let's gone let's hot see. Patterson so, hasn't really gone hot, and, and I do feel, I do feel like offensively our team has a lot more to give. I still think Bo has more to give offensively. I think that yeah. I think that this team is better than they showed obviously early in the season. But is it enough that they dug they dug themselves such a big hole? Is it going to be enough? when they start peaking for it to get them in the playoffs. Because I still think that this team is better than Calgary. Calgary's lost four straight now. Um, Calgary started off the season great. I still think if this once this team gets to its like peak, that they could compete with the best in the Pacific Division. I really believe that. We just we need a bit of a miracle run here just to kind of get back into it and then avoid a slip-up. Exactly. And... You know, it's entirely possible. There's a chance, boys, and that's uh, more than we could have said like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> nice two to weeks, be back, bro. Two weeks and now we're saying there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. <laughs> well, it'll be a fun uh, rest of the year. I think we can all say that. And, uh, you know, they might sneak in. It's possible. This, the episodes are going to be hilarious, you know? Like, uh, are they good? Uh, uh, are the, the season over? And now, are you saying there's a chance? <laughs> that should be the title of our episode. <laughs> there's a chance, boys, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll just ride this one out. It'll it'll be a fun ride. It will be a fun December for sure. And the real work will probably start again up in January. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the team is where we want them to be come April. <laughs> 